Well, hey, good morning, New Life Church. So good to see everybody here. So thankful that you came this morning and a part of our worship gathering. Let me invite you to open the Word of God to Colossians, the book of Colossians. Uh, if you're not quite sure where that is, it's in the New Testament. If you find Corinthians, go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians. So find Corinthians and then go a few books past that. Short book, four chapters. We're going to be in chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. What a month this is shaping up to be for, for our church. Uh, celebrating one year as New Life Church is exciting. But even more exciting is to see the lives that are being changed by Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Seven folks being baptized last week. I mean, come on, that's awesome. Seven people giving their lives to Jesus, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, and say, I'm going to follow you in this life of faith and getting water baptized, and that's exciting. Testimonies, uh, good testimony uh, this morning from the Billingsleys. And did I get that right? Yeah, I get tongue-tied. Uh, and um, we got more testimonies coming uh, over the next couple of weeks as well, just celebrating and thanking God for what He's done and thankful for our church family and, and the way God uses all of us, each of us. And um, so it's a, it's a big month, exciting month. Uh, for us, as Pastor Lindsay mentioned, we're launching a new thing called Team Days uh, coming up starting on April the 23rd. Be sure to get your name on that list. Um, uh, there will be lunch provided uh, for us all uh, while we're together. And, uh, but it, that day is really about us becoming stronger together as a church as we um, move forward in becoming really more stronger in our mission as a church body. And, uh, you know, God gives us a purpose. He gives us a mission as a church. And we want to be strong together in it. It's just not about one, two, three, or four, or five of us. Just a few here and there operating in their gifts, moving in our strength, doing what God has called us to do. It's about all of us together as a family of God, working together. So that's really what that day is about, about becoming stronger together as different teams working as one. And so, and don't forget the end of the month, Heart for the House. Um, special day guys one of our outside elders pastor rick bennett is going to be here with us that day and uh, it's going to be powerful it's going to be a great time as he comes to impart life and uh inspiration and hope uh to us as a church family and so uh so anyway just big month for us exciting month for our church as new life church well let's go to colossians chapter 3 should be there by now these are also be on the screen for you to follow along but join me in, in prayer as we pray over, the, over God's Word today. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time as a family of believers to come together and as your people. And so, Lord, we open your Word today not um, haphazardly, not just because, but God, we open it because we need to hear from you. So right now, I ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shine the light of heaven on your word, that you would help us to understand it, that you would help us to get it. And God, we would, be, we would hear it and see it in such a way that it would do what it's supposed to do, and that is to create and change our life and, and, to, and to just help us grow and to know you more. Help us to not approach these next few minutes of just sitting in a church service 
listening to another sermon, a message, a talk. But God, we ask that heaven would speak to us today. Heaven, speak to us today. God, our Father, speak to us today. Right where we're at. But help us to also have vision to see where you want to take us and what you are capable of doing with our lives. And now may the power that rests in your written word now be on the spoken word, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement can say amen. All right, praise God. We're continuing the message series called On Point. And last week we started that, going to continue that today. But we're in Colossians 3, verse 1. Let's look at these first 11 verses in this chapter. The Apostle Paul is the writer. And he says this, starting in verse 1. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. I think we just sang a song about that. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, aim your direction on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Our real life is not in this world. Our real life is in Christ. Verse 4, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Verse 5, So, he says, So, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Mortify them, destroy them. Those things that lurk, those things that are secretly remaining, hiding out within you. It says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to do these things, past tense, when your life was still part of this world. What he's getting at, that's not who you are anymore. In Christ, that's not you. It's, it's, been, it's beneath you. He says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Verse 10. The imagery here is putting on something new. Put on, clothe yourself, sink yourself into your new nature. It says, and be renewed. Grow. Grow up. Mature. Be changed into a different kind of life as you learn to know your Creator. I need to go back and say that again. Put on, clothe yourself, sink yourself into your new nature and be renewed. Grow up. Be changed into this new kind of life as, can everybody say as, as you learn, it's a continuation, it's a process, as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, verse 11, this is our church verse, 
Colossians 3.11, it says, In this new life, it doesn't matter who you are. He says it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, civilized, slave or free. doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you've been doing. He says all that matters is Christ. Christ is all that matters and that he lives in all of us, that he moves, that he grows, that he develops, that he becomes greater in us. That's what really matters, is what Paul is getting at. You see, the thing is, life has a point to it. There's a point to life. There's a purpose to life. It begins with the starting point, which we talked about last week, and it's based out of Luke chapter 10. And really, there's one thing that Jesus said that that brings it all together, and he said, if you do this then your life is going to take off. If you do this, you will have real life. You'll know what life is all about, and that is this. He said, if you'll aim your life at loving the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul, strength and mind, and if you'll love your neighbor as yourself, if you will put yourself in that position and aim your life in that direction, he said, for you, life will happen for you. Life will take off for you. So our spiritual life takes off when Jesus saves us, but it continues, it continues as we learn to know Christ and to become more like Christ. So it's not just about getting our ticket punched to heaven, all right? Salvation in Christ is not just about getting our ticket punched just to go to heaven, but it's while we're on this earth, Paul says, hey, while you're here, God saves you to get to know Him and to become more like Him. And there's purpose to it all. There's a reason and there's a purpose to it all. And so today I want to talk to you about the title of today's message. is called The Breaking Point. The Breaking Point. And he says, it continues, verse 10, he says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know God and become more like him. There's a Bible word for that called sanctification. It doesn't get used a whole lot, but it's a biblical word. It's a, it's a kingdom word. It's a good word for us. It's sanctification. It's the process of becoming holy. God calls, he is holy, and he says, you also be holy. So it's a process, sanctification, or other terminology we might use is called spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. As well, it's another vernacular we can we can utilize there uh, to say the same thing: sanctification, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, becoming more like Jesus Christ, and learning to know Him more. And so, and there, Paul gives this imagery there: put on, clothe yourself, sink yourself into this new nature that comes through Jesus Christ, comes from Jesus Christ, and be renewed, grow up. Be changed into this new life. And he says, as you learn. So here's the hope in that, friend. You're not going to become like Jesus in a day. That we have our life that God blesses us with and gives us with, 
through the trials and through the tribulations, through the tests and through the temptations that we go through. God tests, Satan tempts, that we go through things and all of those things are for God to help fashion and form us and to, to become more like Christ and helps us to know him more. We don't like going through stuff, but if we go through stuff and come through it in the right way, here's what happens. We learn, we learn to know Jesus a little more and we become a little more like him as a result of going through life a little bit. That's what happens. That's one of the big and greater things that takes place when we go through stuff. And so Paul gives this imagery of putting on. But here's the thing about this that we're going to get to. Each of us, we all carry within us certain things that we really don't need anymore as we move forward in Christ. There comes a point in time that as you grow up in the natural, as you grow up, there's certain things you just don't do when you become 35 like you did when you were 5, right? You just can't get away with some stuff like you can at 35 like you can when you were 5. Man, it sure would be nice though, right? Just to kind of speak your mind at 40, 45 and just say whatever you want to say and who cares what people think because at 5 you don't really have that gauge yet. Or if, when you say it and your mom and daddy standing around, they'd be, you better shut your mouth. Don't you say that. You know what I'm saying? So there are certain things as we grow up in age that it, we're not supposed to do anymore in the natural. Same with growing spiritually, maturing spiritually, is there are things that we just shouldn't be doing anymore. There are things we're carrying around in us that we just shouldn't be carrying around anymore, that we shouldn't allow to dominate and control our life and hijack us and hold us hostage from pursuing our purpose and our destiny. You know, a, de a destiny is not just something that exists. A destiny is a decision. We decide. You decide. I decide. We decide that. And so Paul gives this, this, this written thing here, this letter here, and he's saying, look, there's a whole new life that is, that is happening and that can take off for you that's in Christ. A whole new nature. It describes a nature. You have your old sinful nature before Christ, and you have your new nature that is in Christ. But come on, talk to me. But how many of you know that old sinful nature sure likes to show up and wake up with you every day, doesn't it? It sure likes to grab a hold of you as you walk out the door. And there are certain things about it that, that still linger within us, but there's grace in God to walk above it and overcome it, and there's strength in the power of the Spirit, and there's greatness in the power of God's Word to change us and transform us and help us to no longer live that way, as Paul says. And so he gives this imagery, or he gives this description. And so what are we supposed to do with these things? He calls them sinful, earthly things that lurk within us. They're inside. They lurk within us. They hide out. They secretly remain. And he calls them these sinful, earthly things. He gives them this, these different descriptions. And he also talks about them in Galatians chapter 5 as well. He says, hey... He says these sinful earthly things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language, lying. All these different things, he gives these descriptions to it. Now these sinful earthly things that, that lurk within us. They hide out. They secretly remain. And, and he says, but that's not who you are. He says, as a believer... As born again, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, 
as someone whose destination is heaven, but while on earth, he says, this is not who you are. This is not your new nature. That is your old nature. So stop putting on your old clothes, so to speak. Get yourself a whole new wardrobe. Change your whole fashion look. Change everything there is. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. See, too many times, too many people think if they'll change the outward, then the inward will be hidden and it'll be all right and maybe come along and come and, and get along with what's on the outside. But that's not what it's about. It's about what is on the inside. Okay? And so Paul's saying, look, but here's what you do with these things. And he gives us these, these ways to do it. He says, put to death that, that stuff. Mortify them. Destroy these things. He says in verse 5, have nothing to do with these things. He gives another description. He says, don't be this way. And he says, get rid of this thing, this sinful old nature. Get rid of these things that are lurking within you. And he says, put on the new nature. Clothe yourself, sink yourself into this new nature. So what does that really mean? That sounds good. Oh, that would be awesome, Paul. If, man, if I just put to death, had nothing to do with, got rid of, and, and just didn't want to, and just wasn't that way. I call these things breaking points. Hence the name of the message, Breaking Points. These are breaking points in our life where God breaks certain things off of us. It's, 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 it's when we allow God through His Word and through His Spirit to shape us and to change us. It's when we spiritually grow and develop. You know what that looks like. Some of, you know what the, you, 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 you weren't, you're not this anymore, but now you're that. You don't do, you know, now you don't find yourself in that anymore. You find yourself over here changed and different. Why? Because the process went on. The process of sanctification went on and took place in that area of your life. Sanctification is a lifelong process for us as we walk with God. Get to know Him, He says. Learn to know Him and learn to become more like Him. We might think, man, I got that area knocked out. That ain't ever going to creep up in me again. And then, by golly, you go through something, some kind of trial, some tri kind of tribulation, some kind of test, or some kind of temptation, and then it's like, whoa, where did that come from? That's one way God lets us know we ain't all that. Keeps us humble, but it also keeps us hungry for more of him. Amen? And so he goes through that, and he says these are breaking points. Look at this statement on the screen. It says, if we don't yield to the breaking process, then we'll continue in the never-ending cycle of sinful, earthly things lurking in our life. You and I as believers, if we're going to grow in Christ, if we're going to know Jesus, and if we're going to become more like Jesus, spiritually mature and spiritually grow, not just for that purpose alone, People grow mature all day long. 
but they don't do anything with their life. There's a purpose behind it. It's called life, and life has a point. Life has a purpose. God ordained your life. God created your life. God brought you in this world for such a time as this, and it's not by accident. It's not by happenstance. It's not by any other measure, but by the sovereign, divine hand of God that you exist, that you're on this earth, and you're not just here to sleep and breathe and take up space, but God has created you and saved you and brought you here for such a time as this to live your life with the purpose of heaven and when you live with the purpose of heaven Jesus says your life it really takes off it really makes sense and so there are a lot of areas that you and I go through that can be broken but I just want to zero in on two today two areas of breaking number one is the breaking away from our past and number two, the breaking away from our preferences. The breaking away from our past and the breaking away from our preferences. These have some sub-layers to them. So if you'll travel with me through these, we'll get to them. The breaking away from our past. One of the sub-layers of that is this. Is we have past hurts, past disappointments, some past pain. Things that have happened to us directly, indirectly, by our, by our choices and not by our choices. Pain, hurt, disappointments from the past. And here's what I want to tell you in that is to be healed in Jesus. Jesus heals your hurt. Jesus heals your pain. Jesus heals your disappointments. Look at this verse on the screen, Isaiah 53, 5. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the Messiah who was to come, Jesus, and he said this, but he, Jesus, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. If I told you, hey, your pain, your hurt, your disappointment, it's real, it exists, it's from the past. But here's what I want to tell you. I will take 50 lashes on the back, and if I take those 50 lashes on the back, that pain of yours can go away. First of all, what kind of person does that? Secondly, Jesus did that. He was that person. He is that person. It was more than lashes that he took. But he bore your pain. And here's what you need to understand. That if you want to be free from the pain, from the past of your hurt and pain, is you need to reach into God's word and let that promise be real for you as it is for every other person on this planet. And that is Jesus was whipped so that you could be healed. You're not going to get over your pain of your past or your hurt or your disappointment just by keeping on getting up and moving forward in, in your daily life. No, it's going to take more than that. It's going to take the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit through, the, through what Jesus has done and who He is and apply that to your life. We all have pain. 
We all have hurts, and we all have disappointments. It doesn't mean that they don't matter, they're not real, or they, didn't, or they didn't take place. But what happens is this, that by faith in Jesus Christ, he was whipped for your pain, and he was whipped so you could be healed. And you need to put all, you need to sink your whole self into Jesus Christ. And if you'll sink your whole self into Jesus Christ, he will heal your pain. Whatever it is, soulish, physical, emotional, all of those. But here's another sublayer that's in our past. That is relationships, which is a trigger for a lot of our pain. Relationships. I want to tell you in this is that you can be free in Jesus from the pain and the hurt of your past relationships. Relationships that didn't turn out right. Relationships that ended abruptly. Relationships that terminated that were just not successful, they just didn't work out, relationships that were damaging, relationships that were dominating, relationships that were controlling, work relationships, family relationships, marital relationships, ch children relationships, work relationships, and some church relationships have all caused us different issues over life. But here's the thing, Satan wants us to live in the past of the memory of the pain and the sting of those relationships. But look, in, look at this verse here. It's on the screen, 1 Samuel 16, 1. It's the beginning of a whole new life, and that is this. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my King. Samuel was a prophet responsible for anointing leaders in Israel. He was, he was personally responsible for anointing Saul, the king, to be in that position. S through circumstances beyond Samuel's control, Saul turned his back on God, and God said, I have a new person that I'm going to put in that place. But Samuel was the one whom God had to use in order to make it happen. And so the thing that God spoke to Saul was, Saul, you've longed more, or, excuse me, you've mourned long enough over Saul. May I propose to you that we all have some Sauls in our life? And I think one of the fresh words of heaven for us today is you've mourned long enough over your past relationships. Relationships are real. I mean, those things are real. But my also submit to you that there would never have been a new King David had Samuel not stopped mourning for Saul. And the direction that the Lord gives to Samuel is, hey, outside of you mourning long enough, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill your flask with oil. Oil in the Old Testament is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. I want you to fill your life with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I want you to go. I want you to move on. And as you, as you get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and you determine by faith you're going to move forward, he said, you will find a new relationship. Let me tell you that some of your relationships, they are gone. They are over. They are history, and they didn't end the way you wanted them to. But the Lord says, you've, long, you've mourned long enough. Now is the time for you to receive the fresh outpouring of my spirit and to give you the power to move forward. And as you do that, you will find a new relationship. You'll find a new friend. You'll find a new workplace. 
you'll find a new environment to fit in. You've done all you can for where you've been, and you, you, you mourn long enough, you mourn it, you miss it, you would, you would give anything to have it back, but the Lord is letting you know today it's okay to move forward. Today it's all right for you to go ahead and move on, that it's not wrong. You've grieved, you've hurt, you've been wounded, you've been disappointed by it, but the Lord wants you to know that there is a better future down the road for you. I'll bring you that other person. I'll bring you that new place. I'll bring you that new thing. He said, and I have already selected it, and I know where, I, where I'm going to lead you to to find it, but you have to receive the freshness of my spirit. It'll give you the strength and the faith to move forward, and as you move forward, you'll find a new beginning. Man, I'm all about new beginnings. When the old's passed, the old's done, when I've done all I could do to try to fix what was, and, I, and it, it just is what it is, and it was what it was, it bees what it bees. <laughs> that no matter how much effort I put into it, how much blood, sweat, tears, and prayers I, I give to it, it ain't changing, it ain't coming back. It's not going to be what it used to be. And the Lord said, quit mourning over your souls. I have a David that I have prepared, that I have sought for, that I have selected. And that David, it might not look like what you want it to look, but if you will take yourself in the power of the Spirit, give yourself a new beginning and move forward, it'll turn out to be better than what you ever thought it could be, than what the past could ever be for you. So take that for whatever the Holy Spirit is saying for you. Then the, our past. Talking about breaking away from our past. Another sub-layer, we're gonna, this will be the last sub-layer we'll talk about here. And that is the past of our mistakes. Our mistakes. We all have them. We all have the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, right? But I want to tell you about your mistakes, our mistakes, and that is this. Be forgiven in Jesus. Jesus is ready to, to let you off the hook. Jesus can't wait to extend his grace and love and mercy to your life to free you, to forgive you. Quit walking in the condemnation of your mistakes and receive the forgiveness that Jesus has for you. There's a story in John chapter 8. You can see one verse here on the screen, verse 11, where Jesus says these words. He says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, the background to this story leading up to this, a lot of us are familiar with it, was Jesus was in the church, the temple, teaching and talking with the people. And then... From around the corner, it said the religious people brought in a woman that they caught in the act of adultery. And they brought her into the temple and they said, look, this, this woman's been caught. You know, what's the law? The law says to do this or that, but what do you think we should do? And, and so he, he stoops down. He stoops down and he begins to, he says to begin to just write in the dust with his finger. And he stands back up and he says, well, anybody who, who doesn't have any sin going on, then you go ahead and throw that first stone. And then he said he st 
stooped, uh, stooped back down and wrote again in the dust with his finger. And as he was stooping down, writing in the dust, he heard the stones begin to drop. He heard the thuds all around, and he heard footsteps begin to scatter and scurry. And, and he stood back up, and he looked, and he saw that everybody was gone. All those religious people were gone. And he looked over at the lady, and he said, Woman, he said, where are all your accusers? And she sheepishly looked up and didn't see any. And she said, I don't know. They're not here. And he said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. He said, neither do I condemn you. But he didn't leave it at that. He said, now go, move on. Move forward in where I've called you to live and sin no more. You see, it is possible to live with this new nature that is in Christ without having to always have these things that lurk within us have power over us. I mean, what kind of God is that that saves us but can't deliver us? What kind of God is that that can save us, but he surely can't truly free us? That's not the God we serve. No, he saves us, but he then gives us power to be free from the stuff that traps us and baits us and contains us and holds us captive and buys into the lies of the enemy that says we're not worth it, we're not valuable. Your life is too messed up for you to have any hope of ever changing. Your, your grandfather was that way, your father was that way, and somewhere down that crooked tree of yours is somebody else that was that way. But in the power of Jesus Christ, when you come into the adoption of God, God, the, the family of God, he changes your family tree and he gives you a whole new reason for love, for living, a whole new purpose, a whole new brand new life that is in Christ. And that's what Jesus did with this lady. You see, when he stood, he stood, uh, stooped down and he wrote in the dust, I, I look at it this way, he was carving out a place for her. He was putting a definite line of separation between her past mistakes and her present, setting her up to go forward in her future. You see, it was the religious, it was the religious that caught and condemned, but it was the righteousness of God that carved out a place for her to be forgiven. You see, he stood up for her, he stooped down for her, he stood and he stooped a, a bunch of times to just prove to her and to everybody else, there ain't nobody going to lay a finger on her because it's my finger that separates all of the past and her mistakes from her right now. I have carved out a place. And friend, I want to tell you that Jesus carves out a place for you to know his love and to know his forgiveness. You see, religion catches and condemns, but the righteousness of God carves out a place for you to know love, acceptance, and forgiveness, and a whole new direction. Some of you are here today, you're just looking for some guidance. You're looking for the signs to change. And I want to tell you, all that changes in Jesus Christ. No one else, nothing else, but in Jesus, our past. We have to be broken from our past. If we're not broken from our past, then we're going to stay stuck in our hurts we're going to stay stuck in our brokenness and in our condemnation. But then there's, a, there's another area. I'll close with this. And that is we need to be broken from our preferences. 
need to be broken away from our preferences. You see, that's where all this anger and rage and malicious behavior and greed and selfishness and all that stuff lingers and lurks. Our preferences have a couple of layers. They have this. They have comfort zones. Everybody with me so far? They have comfort zones. You see, that's the part of our life. Comfort zones is the part of our life that we don't want to give up. Why? We're cozy. We're comfortable. We're good. No, I'm good, bro. I'm good right there. Mm. Don't challenge me. Don't try to change me. I'm good right here. But see, here's the thing about our comfort zones. They keep us from serving the Lord. Look at this scripture here in in Matthew chapter 4. It said, Jesus was, he, he called his disciples out to them and he said, come, follow me. Just like he does with us today, come follow me. And he says, I will show you how to fish for people. I'll give you a purpose to live for. He says, and they did this. They left their nets at once and followed him. And then they followed him and they left their boat and their father behind. They left their nets, they left their business, and they left their family to follow Jesus. They left their comfort of their life. See, our comfort zones, that's, where we, that's the place where we live that where there's no challenge, there's no sacrifice, there's no inconvenience, there's none of that going on. Why? Because we've created this safe haven, this comfort zone, where we're only going to do what we want to do. But let me tell you, there is a higher voice, there is a higher power, there is a, a greater one out there, his name is Jesus, who says, come, follow me, and I will show you how to do this. In other words, follow me, and you'll really live what you were created to live for. You will live your life on point. But listen, we got to have our comfort zones broken off of us. Here's another layer of our preferences, and that is our excuses. I know none of us have these here. I'm not talking to anybody in here today. But we have our excuses. This is, for the, uh, this is our excuses are these things. There are any reason as to why we don't truly live for the Lord with our whole heart. We make excuses up. But here's the thing about our excuses. They keep us from going where God wants us to go. And when we fail to go where God wants us to go, we will not be who God has called us to be, and we will not be involved in what God wants us to be involved in, and we will not be with whomever God has for us. Other people say it this way, divine alignments for divine assignments. That if you want to be where God wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do, you want to truly live fulfilled, and you want to be with whomever God has for you, then you've got to let go of your excuses. See, those are our preferences, but they keep us from going. Look at this in Matthew 8. One of the teachers said to him, Hey, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus said, Hey, foxes have a place to live. Birds have a place to live. But I don't have a place to lay my head. In other words, where I'm going and what I'm doing, it's not going to be all five-star resorts. 
swimming pools and movie stars and pina coladas and a hot summer day. He said, it ain't all what you think it is. Then it says another, verse 21, another one said, Hey, Lord, let me first return home and bury my father. And Jesus told him, Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Man, it sounds like Jesus was harsh, like he didn't have a heart, like he didn't care. And what he cared about was this. He knew, and he knows this about us, that if we say, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me, and if he gives permission to say, oh, yeah, son, oh, yeah, dog, that's all. you go and just do what it is you need to do. You go and take your sweet, precious time. I'll be here in 30 years waiting on you. He knows that if he gives in to and, and approves us saying, Lord, first let me go and do this, and if he just says, sure, without challenging us, he, ha he knows whether or not we will truly return and follow him. But you see, we're the king and the queen of excuses, right? Because it's all about our preferences. But the kingdom of God is not about our preferences. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about the things of God. It's about God's will. It's about God's ways. It is about God's purpose for us. And it is not always convenient. It is not always a walk in the garden. Sometimes it includes the garden of Gethsemane where it is where they make the olive oil pressed from the olives where there is extreme and intense pressure. Sometimes walking with God will take you through Gethsemane where you will walk through some pressure, but that pressure is good for us because it will squeeze out what is needed and necessary for God's will to take over our life and not our excuses to continue to lead us down a spiral path. Amen? Our excuses, man, keep us from going. And then lastly, our preferences have this sub-layer, our fears. Our fears. That too often we're afraid to just truly let go and climb with Jesus. See, the thing about our fears is they keep us from changing. Somebody can be saved for 45 years and not changed a day in their life, still like they were right before they got saved. Why? Fear. Fear of unknown, fear of failing. Man, that'll get you. Let me, let me let's, let's, if I could raise this up and create a little confessional booth and you were the person I'm confessing to, I would tell you this. In my life, I have often been plagued by the fear of failing. Can I go ahead and just get that out there? You can tell the whole, you can tell the 90,000 people that live in Jackson, my pastor has been afraid of failing. I know the goods are in me because it's Jesus. I know the vision is in me. I know the potential lies there. 
I know all the greatness of God is within me because that's what his word tells me. But too often I allow the fear of failing and not trying to keep me back and rob me from my future. Don't tell me I didn't face some fears when I said, let's sell a 29,000 square foot facility on 30 acres of land that looks like a church, thinks like a church, smells like a church, but often it don't look like one sometimes because it sure costs a pretty penny to say, hey church, we're going to move into a gym. I was so elated on that first day, March 2nd, 2014, when you showed up. And for two years, I've been thankful that you keep coming back. And man, I'm really excited that last week we baptized seven people. And I know we're not making the fastest growing church list in America and on every advertising with TBN and all this stuff, but man, I know we register on God's radar. Fear is real. When we don't let go and climb where he's going, it's scary. It's risky. Look at this, verse 5 of Matthew, or excuse me, chapter 5 of Matthew on the screen. It says, one day, Jesus saw crowds gathering. Man. But it says he went up, he climbed up on the mountainside, he sat down, and his disciples, the committed ones, climbed and gathered around him. And he taught them. And he began to lay out three chapters where Matthew writes it in three chapters, five, six, and seven called the Beatitudes. Learning how to live this Christian life. The words in red that Jesus himself spoke. But we, you and I, will never learn how to live this life if we're not first of all willing to let go and climb for it's the committed ones that climb with Jesus. And friend, let me tell you, you're always going to be met and faced with him raising the bar. Not because he thinks we're stupid and we're dumb, and he thinks that we can't do it. He raises it because he knows we can. He raises the challenge. He raises the stakes. He raises the standard because he knows the committed ones, yeah, I'm not worried about them. They're going to climb. Oh, they might fall. They might slip. They might grab a hold of the next place and their hand fall down. But they're still going to give it their best shot. They're still going to go keep reaching for heaven. They're still going to come climbing after me. See, that happens. But let's let go of our fears. See, I'm convinced of this right here, that there are people in our church, there are people in our community and abroad in this world that are looking for somebody, some other people, to believe in them. They're looking for some other people to walk with them. And they're looking for some people that have the, the, the spiritual fortitude and, and strength within them to impart the truth of God's word into their life. See, I know people are brash these days. People are brutal these days. People are mean these days, but I believe really on down in their heart, 
They want somebody who will believe in them, walk with them, and tell them the truth. And really, that's where we all are. We're looking for some people to believe in us, walk with us, and impart the truth in us. That's where we are. And friend, I got to tell you, it's that people, those people, it's the church. It's the church. I'm excited this year. We are, we've been working for, on this for a lot, about a year now, and it's a continued work in progress. But we've just been developing and putting some things together. What we believe is the best way God can use our, us as a church to reach out to people for Christ, ways that we can come alongside of people and help them to overcome their setbacks and help impart the truth of God's Word into them. And so anyway, we, we basically, we call it this, we call it recovery. It's about connecting people to Jesus Christ and to the church. It's about us as the body of believers, as real people with real struggles, with real issues, but who are willing to put on our new nature and walk this saved life out to help other people, to walk with them, to believe in them, and to impart the truth of God into their life and help them do the same. You see, the thing is, it's not about being perfect. But it's about letting the perfect God work His perfect will in our life. Not one of us in here is perfect. Not one of us in here has arrived. Not one. But if we will aim to work together, believe in one another, believe in other people, walk with them, and be willing to impart the truth of God's word into them, guess what will happen? They'll climb. You'll climb, and they'll climb. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for today and just this chance, this opportunity, and this place you've given us to do this. That, Lord, I know none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. We haven't gotten there. I know we're at different places, stages, if you will, of spiritual growth, maturity. And Lord, I believe there's some people here today who would just like a fair chance to just be on their way with you, to begin to experience and live a new life in Christ. They've heard people talk about it, maybe been hurt in the past, maybe gripped by fear today. But I do believe you have spoken today and you want us to hear and you want us to accept. You want us, God, to begin to move forward with what you have. There's stuff in us that you're, you are saying, hey, those things don't need to be on you anymore. Those things, you don't need them in your life anymore. 
let me break those off. With your head bowed, your eye closed, if you can say something along those lines today, you can acknowledge. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It just means, hey, today I realize I got some stuff that I need to be broken off in my life. Would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? Amen. See those hands. See those hands. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for these that have lifted hands, that have acknowledged and admitted, hey, I've got some stuff. I got some things going on in me that are real. But I want the power of God to be greater in me than these old things that exist. So right now I pray, right now I pray by the power of your spirit, you would touch every life. You would build their faith and you would open their eyes to help them to see and know and realize beyond a shadow of a doubt, you love them, God. You love them. And that your word is true. And that we have a new, a whole new life. A new nature. That in the power of your word, in the strength of your spirit right now, I pray that they will begin to walk in a greater level of freedom, of wholeness, of understanding and knowledge of you. That, Father, whatever shame, whatever condemnation, whatever guilt, whatever fear, whatever hurt of the past, whatever is presently going on right now, where the flesh has been greater, that today, Jesus, you will be greater. That the, your word would come alive in every heart and your spirit would fill every vessel right here today, fresh and anew to begin to take strong, secure steps forward. And they, as they put their trust and their hope in you, acknowledge that in you and you alone can that happen. That they will begin to see and know and realize this is a whole new beginning, a brand new life. And right now I rebuke condemnation I rebuke condemnation. I rebuke the spirit of fear that lingers and lurks within so many. In the name of Jesus, I command condemnation and fear to be dispelled, to be pushed out, no longer dominating, no longer controlling. And I'll release right now, Father, your Holy Spirit fall fresh. Fresh, fresh right now. Let hope arise. Let the Spirit of God arise and the enemies of God be scattered. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen.